0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the CEO Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only CEO Lawyer, with my co-host... Yusuf Kroma. And today, Yusuf's got a pretty interesting topic for us. And what is that topic?
1: So today we're going to be talking about watches as investments.
0: Yes, I love this topic. I've been to talk about this for a while. So, man, when did this start? When did my watch journey start? I actually invested in my first watch in 2018... It was uh, the crazy story was that in 2018 I had been looking at Rolexes for the longest time, and I'll tell you the moment I realized that I wanted a Rolex
1: okay.
0: was okay. So there's this guy named Richard Bellinger that was my dad's really cl- close friend. He w- they went to engineering school at Georgia Tech back in like the 70s or 80s, and this guy, in in my perception and the way that I viewed him, I didn't think he was a very successful guy. Mm-hmm. I just, I just knew that he was good at one thing and it was engineering and that, you know, that was pretty much it. And he was just an old friend of my dad's. And so he came and started working for my dad in the car audio business that we had. And whenever he would come into the shop, he'd be wearing a Rolex and I'd be like, okay, well, how does this guy have a Rolex? And, you know, he'd talk about it. Like it was just something normal. Like, oh yeah, you know, I have this thing and, you know, I bought it to treat myself and, um, ever since I saw this person wearing the Rolex, I realized that I needed to have one. And not only did I need to have one, like it was, it definitely had to be attainable because if this guy could afford it, then I got to figure out a way to afford it. Now, keep in mind at the time, I'm like 15, 16 years old. So I, I didn't really know what, what they cost. I didn't realize he had an entry level date, just, you know, that was a 36 millimeter that was, you know, made in like the eighties. So it was worth significantly less. You know, he probably bought it for like $1,500, $2,500 at the time. And so fast forward to graduating law school, working at a job for about a year and a half, and then starting my own firm in 2017, basically bootstrapping the whole, team, the whole thing. And then a year later, I'm like, okay, I've made my first million dollars. Now it's time to treat myself to a Rolex. But even at that point, I didn't have the abundance mindset. Like I didn't feel like I deserved it. Mm. I had to justify my spending. So I didn't just buy one Rolex, I bought two. (laughs) Like the very first Rolex I bought, I actually bought two. One of them was to keep, the other one was to sell. Because I wanted to be like, okay, if I'm gonna spend this much money on a watch, I have to be able to justify it. So the Rolex Hulk was this, it's a green Submariner. It's a 41 millimeter. Uh, uh, it's the the, the most traditional-looking Rolex that you can get. But I got the green version. They call it the Hulk. And then I bought another Submariner that was a 1998 model, so it was the pre-ceramic. Like, I think in 2008, 2009, they switched the bezel on the watches and switched the mechanism over to a ceramic bezel that does not scratch. So it's, like, a little bit more sought after. So I bought the non-ceramic one to flip and sell, Mm -hmm. and then I kept the other green ceramic Hulk... For myself i bought the hulk for 9200 and then i bought the other non-ceramic watch for 5800 so i spent fifteen thousand dollars on these two watches keep in mind at the time i was living with a roommate spending 300 a month in rent running my law firm still from the trunk of my car but i was making a lot of money so i was like okay i need to be able to treat myself this is before i got married before i was like i just need to do something and um, I bought the, the two watches. When they arrived, I did like an opening. I need to pull that video. We need to be able to pull that video for unboxing. It's, it's somewhere in one of my phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so exciting. That was still back when I used to flex a lot on social media. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do as much now because got them haters out there. got that. I, you know what I mean? So um, I sold the second watch for a $500 profit. And I kept the first Rolex. Um, which basically means my cost was about $8,700 for that watch. Uh, well, what happened was like two years later, Rolex discontinued that watch, stopped making it. And now four years after buying it, you can't get it for less than twenty-five dollars or $30,000. So since 2018 onward, I started investing in buying watches. Now I didn't have that much disposable income. I could... I could scrape up five or 10k every few months and be like okay i can do that but it was at the expense of not going out with my friends not blowing money you know driving in the cheapest possible way living very very cheaply way below my means because i was seeing these as investment pieces Mm. and so for me i think there's three reasons why everyone should have a luxury watch and there's specific types of luxury watches that you should get you can't just get any any random watch and expect that it's going to go up in value But there's three reasons. First, the value. Intrinsic value and extrinsic value. It's intrinsic because there's a reason why they give people a Rolex after working 30 or 40 years as your retirement gift, right? Because it holds some intrinsic value. It's almost a symbolic gesture of an accomplishment or success from working with this organization for so long. That's how they show you their admiration and their respect. So there's the intrinsic value there. It makes you feel good, right? But then there's also the extrinsic value of knowing that this is a piece of uh, investment that's going to increase in value over time. Every year, the Rolex steel model watches, the steel bracelet watches increase on average 15 to 30% every single year. If you ever watch Shark Tank, And you know Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful? He'll tell you that watches as an asset class are actually his number one performing asset. They almost always outperform the stock market, cryptocurrency, basically anything else that you want to invest in, even with ETF and mutual funds. Rolex watches, particularly the sought-after models, almost always outperform the stock market. They outperform in terms of value portfolios that have been around for over 100 years and so I kind of got lucky because like I'd been thinking about having my first Rolex since I was like a kid But, but the moment I started making money I decided to start buying these watches to invest in them and now every single watch that I bought has increased in value over time. And now I've learned which watches to buy, which ones to not buy. I've also learned how to get rid of bad watches that, wasn't, you know, that weren't a good investment, which ones you should buy retail, which ones you shouldn't buy retail. Um, but, so the value is obviously a huge motivating driver. The second thing is the networking. Uh, just like when we were walking in a minute ago, the first thing you did was like pull my you know, little shirt down. And you're like, oh, okay, I see you. Well, the same thing happens in professional settings. When you're wearing the right watch, the right person will notice it.
1: Mm.
0: When you're wearing the right watch, the right person will notice it. And so there's watches that are out there that you can't even tell. They just look like basic, normal pieces, but they're worth half a million dollars. And you can't even tell. But the right person can tell. And the right person can spot it from a mile away. The right person will even go, go out of their way... To introduce themselves because they recognize the timepiece that you got on your wrist, and I have a story about that. Like I have multiple stories about why having the right watch on my wrist at the right time led me to opportunities that I would not otherwise have. And then the third reason why you want to have watches is because of asset protection. So it's hard to carry around a bunch of cash, or even if you need to travel, get out of the country. Right, you need to have some some area where you can hide and protect your money putting your your money in a bank account that's yielding 0.03% interest when inflation is 7%, the depreciation of the dollar is minimum 3% per year, you're losing money by keeping your money in the bank. So, and then if if you want to hold on to like silver or gold bullion, everyone feels like, well, silver and gold is a good asset class. Like it's a good way to protect your investment. Well, gold hasn't been performing very well over the past few years. At some point it was like $1,200 an ounce and it would, have been, it would have made sense to buy a lot of gold. Silver went through this shocking growth and then it's kind of just stabilized. I do think, if I'm predicting, um, gold and silver right now are still tremendously underpriced and undervalued because they haven't kept up with inflation. Yeah. Once they adjust to inflation, gold right now is probably $1,800, $1,850 an ounce, $1,800 an ounce. It should be around $3,000 to $5,000 an ounce. Uh-huh. Yeah. Silver is like 23 to $25 an ounce. Um, it should be like 50. And so I, I mean, I I started buying some of those very, very little, like I'll buy one little piece here, one little piece here just to kind of see, but I'm glad I I invested my money in watches instead of gold. Because if you think about it, if you wanted to save $50,000, okay. And you had it in cash first carrying around fifty thousand dollars in cash is not a very convenient way if you're flying the faa is going to take you over to the side say you can't have more than ten thousand dollars in cash they will literally take that money from you they'll confiscate it from you or if you're carrying it in gold it's a one kilo bar imagine having to carry 2.2 pounds of gold around it's a very heavy piece of metal um and then, if it's in silver, you're talking about like 20, 30 pounds, maybe more. I mean, I didn't do the math on that, but it's like, it's very heavy to carry on $50,000 worth of silver, like silver bullion. But on a watch, it could be just one timepiece. You could have half a million dollars on a watch, and it's increasing in value faster than it will if it were gold, faster than it would be if it were silver, and way better than it would perform if it were in a normal stock market mutual fund, and astronomically better than just sitting in the bank account collecting interest so as an asset class watches will greatly increase the value um, of your investment over time so like I do remember like I have so many stories for all of these I have so many stories of like why watches were the right move at the right time but those are like the three main reasons why I think everyone should have a luxury watch and you know we could talk about which which ones I think you should invest in whatever but i just wanted to get that out there get that off my chest
1: yeah so we know that watches have like a sentimental value that no other product has uh watches are sentimental pieces they are fashion statements they're also investments as you alluded to Uh, i would ask you what is the um watch that has the most value or the top five highest performing watches
0: pretty much anything that is a rolex with a stainless steel bracelet is going to perform well um over the last four or five years, they've increased in price 20, 30, 40% per year. Mm. Um, those have consistently performed well throughout history. I actually have a 1990 model GMT Rolex, which is it's the Coke model. It's the black and red. They call it the Coke because those are the colors of the Coca-Cola, mm. right? And then there's also the Pepsi model, which is blue and red. And there's also the root beer, which is like gold and black. And then there's, um, well, there's a lot of different models. The Hulk is green. The Kermit is green face with, with a, is a green dial with black face. So there's a lot of different variations, right? The Blue Sea is the blue with a two-tone white and gold. So any, any one of these watches that you buy, if it's a stainless steel Rolex, usually if you hold on to that watch for three to five years, it's gonna at least double in price, usually. Um, where people mess up is buying the wrong types of stainless steel watches. So the wrong types are usually the super entry-level pieces like the Rolex uh, Oyster Perpetual that's like a 36 or 37 millimeter. Those aren't really that sought after. Um, the, The Datejust is performing well now, but not as well as some of the other Rolex stainless steel ones. So I would say a Submariner is probably the most sought after. Like everyone wants a Submariner. That's the... the the traditional Rolex that they used to use for diving deep in the ocean, right? Um, So what I'm saying is the 40 to 41 millimeter is like the ideal size. If you go to like 37, 36, 34 millimeter, those don't really increase in value that much. You can hold on to them for three or five years and they'll hold their value, but they won't increase as much and be an investment. And the same thing happens on the opposite end of the spectrum. If you buy a James Cameron or a, or a deep sea, a 44 millimeter watch. The 44 millimeter Rolex is just way too big and it's not that sought after. So you could buy it for like 15 grand. Two years later, it's still only worth 15, 15 and a half. So buying the right size is the number one. So Rolex, I think, is probably a really solid investment, but um, AP is probably the strongest performing watch right now.
1: Okay, do you know the, um, the history of watches? At what point did Rolex become? the main brand or watch became a a means of investment? And what's the psychology behind it as well?
0: Okay, so I will say this. Rolex is not the top brand. Okay. Not even in the top three. The top three are AP, Audemars, Patek Philippe, Mm -hmm. and a very not-so-known brand in the normal Conversation, but with watch collectors it is, is Vacheron Constantin or Constantin. Mm-hmm. So VC, AP, Patek, and VC watches. The reason those are the top three is because those are the original three watch manufacturers in Europe from the 1700s. Okay. So AP, Patek, and um, VC, Vacheron, have all been around since like the 1700s. There's also another watchmaker called uh, Gerard Perregaux. That's also been around since the 1700s, but in terms of the horology and the history of the watch, uh, those are the top three. Now, of those top three, you can't get a Patek unless you're somebody.
1: Wow.
0: Uh, the Patek 5711 Nautilus is the most sought-after watch probably in the world. Um, and I'm going to tell you a story about how I sold one two years ago. Um, and it had to do with me wearing the right watch at the right time. Of
1: course he would selling. sell it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so um, it wasn't mine. It's actually one of my biggest, probably one of my biggest regrets is selling that watch. It wasn't my watch to sell. Um, but to be clear, AP is probably the best performing watch in terms of value. You can still get them. Like you can still actually go to an AP store, order a watch. Yes, you might have to wait one or two years, but you'll get it. Patek... The the wait list on the 5711, you know how long the wait list is? Decades. It's eight to ten years to get a watch. And then they just discontinued it. And I'm going to tell you the story about how the values fluctuated. Um, And then the VC, the Vacheron Constantin or Constantin watches are now, I think, the most undervalued and underappreciated of all of the top three. So if I were to place a bet on which watch you should invest in, I would get the VC overseas model. Okay. Yeah. So I just tried to order one like last week. It might have to wait like a year and a half, two years. But they're already selling for higher than retail in the wholesale world. So there's the gray market, and then there's the retail world. So you know, if you go to a car auction, if you almost, almost everyone's been to an auction yeah, for sure. cars, right, or some sort of auction, you know that the cars selling in the auction will always sell for less than they will if you're at a dealership mm-hmm. or a, you know a used car broker, whatever. Well in the watch world it's backwards. Wholesale is more expensive than retail. Mm. So you buy a Rolex from the Rolex store right now. Let's say you can get your hands on a Submariner or a Rolex GMT or any one of the platinum watches which a lot of them have been discontinued. You can turn around and sell it for double the money. If you get it. You have to wait maybe a year or two. But here's the kicker. If Rolex finds out that you sell the watch they blacklist you and will never sell you another watch again yeah because they're trying to control the market Uh, sure they don't want people to buy their watches to flip them so now they've limited your ability to purchase them Mm. to just two watches a year scarcity yeah they're creating the scarcity they can they have a factory they can make as many watches as they as they want but they're trying to increase the value and increase the scarcity and make it an exclusive type of product and every other brand is following suit you know who's one of the first ones that did that ferrari Ferrari, huh. Usually you can't go into a Ferrari store and just buy a Ferrari. You have to have owned one before. And in the luxury world, Hermes, the Birkin bag, one of the most expensive sought-after bags, did the same thing in the luxury world. You'll notice that Hermes will not just sell you a Birkin bag. You have to already be a customer. With Rolex, they're doing the same thing. You can't just go and buy one of these sought-after stainless steel watches. You have to have already been a customer. And now you have to wait one or two years. Well, other brands are following suit. AP is the same thing. Patek has been like that for, for years. Rolex just recently, in the past three or four years. AP in the past eighteen months. VC, it hasn't happened yet. Not yet. I think it's going to happen soon. Now, it, the markets are closely tied with like the luxury goods. You know, we talk about Louis Vuitton, Hermes, Chanel, and then you talk about luxury watches with AP, Patek. Vacheron, uh, Rolex, they're very closely tied. They kind of like try to copy each other. I've noticed that there's other luxury brands that are doing the same thing. So right now, Chanel won't let you go and buy more than one bag at a time, you know? So what's happening is, when you think about it, it's like, why would a watch be worth half a million dollars? That's the question, yeah. It's not, the truth is it's not. It's only worth that because people have created this scarcity Mm -hmm and they want it so bad that they're willing to pay for it because the manufacturers, these companies, are really smart at marketing and they, they create this scarcity. Chanel is doing the same thing. They always come out with these different bags and different designs where it's only around for this one season and once they stop producing it, that's it, they're all handmade leather goods. So you'll buy a Chanel bag for $5,000 and it's worth six or $7,000 a few months down the road. It's like These are actually good investment pieces mm. but they only give you a one per month purchase limit. I will anticipate that they're going to change that. They're going to actually increase it to where uh, you can only buy a couple a year. And so the the people that really do well in this space are the ones that can predict which one is about to blow up. Mm. You know, I made a couple of predictions on certain watches and a couple of brands, and we'll see how it plays out. I've had some home runs where it's like, dude, you could not have bought a better watch at that time. The Rolex Hulk being one of them. Um, but then I've had some where... Probably wasn't the smartest thing, but I'm just going to wait it out because it's not about trying to time Like timing the market. It's about the time in the market. How long have you been in this market? You'll learn what to look for what opportunities are going to come up because when you stay ready You never have to get ready. You know what I mean? When you see an opportunity to buy someone's watch They no longer want it and or they have this luxury bag or this car whatever because you've been in this space You've been studying this market. You're ready you know that hey, if you sell me that watch for five thousand, I know it's worth seven or eight. I'm ready to buy it right now, and that actually happened to me. I bought the guy's watch off of his wrist after a conversation. So yeah, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready.
1: So I wouldn't be surprised if you have a storage of like Chanel bags upstairs somewhere. No, I
0: I mean I I think that that's um, well. Here's here's my philosophy on anything that you want to buy. Um, you should try to buy wholesale so that when you buy something, you have the ability to resell it later on at a profit. But you shouldn't buy things just for the investment sake. You should buy them because you actually like them yeah. and you're actually going to wear them. Because it's kind of stupid to buy like, all these watches and not get to enjoy them for the reason that they were created. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you can buy all these luxury cars and exotic cars and just have them be garage queens, but that's not what they were designed for. Like, they were designed to be driven and to be enjoyed. Watches were meant to be worn and be beat up. The Rolex Submariner has always been a diver's watch. It's been literally a mechanic's watch. Mm. You know, so if it doesn't have a ton of scratches all over it, you're not using it properly. So, yeah, I mean, I don't buy things just as investment pieces, I buy them to wear them. And even if, and that's why I, I try not to buy like, brand new all the time. I like to buy them slightly used so I don't feel bad about getting scratches on (laughs) them. Because man, trust me, the moment you put that thing on, I I don't know about other people, but the moment I put a watch on, like it's gonna have a scratch by the end of the day. (laughs) It's just I'm just you know kind of negligent with that. But
1: all right. So what's the story about how you sold this watch?
0: Oh man, my 5711 story. So all right, so I'm wearing this Hulk, right? It's like 2019, 2020. I go and meet with this attorney and he's wearing an older model Rolex. And after seeing the watch that I had on, his tone changed. Mm. He started kind of respecting me and listening to what I was saying. I was a very, very small fish, and he's a much bigger attorney, much bigger fish in this industry. Um, What what was supposed to be a 15-minute conversation turned into a two-hour just talking about watches and business Mm. and law and everything else. By the end of that conversation, we were in his office. He invited me to go to his house. And take a look at his watch collection and then he sold me the watch that he was wearing at the time He said man, I don't even want this anymore. Wow. But as we were sitting down, I realized he had two Patek fifty-seven Elevens, which is the Nautilus. This is the rarest watch in the world Arguably wow, wow. he had two of them. He's like, yeah I put my name down at a bunch of different places. I bought them for 24,000 each because that was the retail price and Now that the prices are going up. I think I should sell one of them. I said, well, I know where to sell it so I posted it online and found a buyer, sold it for him for $47,000. Wow. He bought it for 24, sold it for 47, so he doubled his money. I'm like, okay, it's a good investment. Well, this watch was brand new, in the box, sealed. It still had the plastics on it. It had never been worn. It still had the, authentic, you know, the certificate of authenticity. It had everything. And it was the Patek Philippe 5711 Nautilus, the most exclusive watch in the world, okay? And I sold it to him. I sold it for him. For $47,000. The guy that I sold it to went and flipped it for fifty-three. dollars Wow. Two years later, Tiffany and company came out with a light blue version of that same exact watch. First, two things happened. One, they discontinued the 5711. They mm. don't make it anymore. Mm. It used to be an 8 to 10 year waitlist. Now they just decided we're not going to make it anymore. Then Tiffany and company collaborated with Patek. And they made the same exact watch. The only difference was that it was light blue instead of dark blue. Mm-hmm. Guess how much that watch sold at auction? At
1: least hundred plus.
0: 5.6 million dollars. 5.6 million dollars. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You can't get that Patek Philippe watch that I had sold just a couple of years ago for 47. You even used, beat up, whatever. And that, and not, not the Tiffany version, but the dark blue, you can't get it for less than 200K.
1: Unbelievable.
0: There, what other investments can you quadruple your money in two years? I can't. See, but I didn't know that. I also had a scarcity mindset at the time mm-hmm. because I actually had credit cards available you right did. then and there. I could have very easily done a credit card balance transfer, taken the cash, paid them the money, and just held it, held on to it. But I didn't get it. And I wasn't ready for it because I was like, I can't justify $47,000 on a watch. Like, I'm just not there. You know what I mean? And, and even, I've actually, I still don't spend $47,000. I still think that's a lot of money. But now if someone were to offer me a Patek, that same exact model and seeing how it's increasing, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it for forty-seven dollars because I know I can sell it at any given time. So that's what happened. I never would have gotten to that position had I not had the Rolex Hulk on my wrist when I met that attorney. And had I not had that Rolex on my wrist, then I would not have been able to sell, sell that Patek for him. And had I not sold the Patek, I would not have appreciated the value of AP, which I was able to invest in one at the right time that's shot up in value. So it's like, it's not about timing the market and trying to buy it at the right time. It's you got to get in the market, study these different asset classes, invest in them. Yeah, you might make some mistakes, but as a general rule, man, you, you just can't go wrong with AP. Um, but there are some that you will go wrong with for sure, and those are bust-downs.
1: Mm-hmm. A bust-down. A bust-down. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need a bust-down. What's a
0: bust-down? A bust-down is just a watch that's flooded with diamonds. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of a stupid investment. It's not an investment, it's a purchase, you know?
1: Does it, does it depreciate the watch?
0: Yes. Yes. A Patek flooded in diamonds is worth about 50 grand. A Patek with no diamonds is worth about 200. Hmm. AP with diamonds, worth about 40-50. Without diamonds, 80 to 100. Mm. Rolex, standard Rolex, nothing done to it. With and without diamonds, same price. The, the, the just the basic entry-level model. So some people will tell you that having diamonds in your watch is like a good investment. They increase about, no, that's just, that's just for Stutton. Um, however, if it has factory Rolex diamonds, then it's an investment. You know why? Because Rolex is the only manufacturer in the world that uses flawless diamonds in their watches. There's different categories of diamonds. There's flawless is the highest level, and then there's internally flawless, the IF. And then there's VVS, very, very slightly included. Then there's VS, very slightly included. And then there's SI, slightly included. And there's SI1, SI2, VVS1, VVS2, and then there's I1, I2, there's like all these, and then there's all the different colors, you know, like G color, H color, so you have to know the right, diamond at the right rock at the right price at the right time rolex if you have a factory rolex with factory diamonds they usually do hold their value very well but um you'll never find a rolex that's flooded with diamonds like completely bust out like you see in these rap videos Mm -hmm. as a factory watch you will see it sometimes just like in the bracelet just a little bit sometimes they'll have it around the case Mm -hmm. but if it's a factory one it's worth a lot of money
1: yeah, I saw, I think, uh, uh, Elvis Presley, the watch, Rolex that he had, and it had like diamonds in a dial, and it went for like 5.7 million or something yeah. Like
0: yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That's just crazy numbers, man.
1: So what are your favorite watches that you have personally in your collection?
0: Um, I- I'm not gonna you know, use this as an opportunity to brag. I'll just say the watches that, that I have good stories with are the ones that I like the most. So that Rolex, obviously we've been talking about it forever. So the Rolex Hulk is the only watch I'll probably never sell no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's one I want to pass down to my son. So even if I were to get rid of everything else, that watch has sentimental value because I was wearing it in my wedding. You know, my wedding photos and everything. That was the first Rolex I ever bought. So it's like, it means a lot more to me than whatever anyone could offer to me. So I wouldn't sell it because I don't need to sell it. Um, But, you know, I, I am, I do like that AP. It'd be nice, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey P Liz, shan shan, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, honestly it's just it's just the game. The fun of knowing the watches, which watches to buy and wear them and the people that you meet along the way is probably the coolest thing ever.
1: You yeah. have any like circles or groups that you're in for watch collectors?
0: Tons, bro. Oh, bro. Tons. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I you know so I think here's what I would do. Um, well first I wrote down a couple of notes on which ones I think you should stay away from. Okay. Um, The bust downs are definitely one stay away from bust downs because they don't they're not an asset class They're not for investments. You want to be a real boss get you a stainless steel AP That's what you need if you're if you want to be a real boss get Mm -hmm. you a a Patek if you're a real boss, Mm -hmm. you know what? I mean Honestly a Rolex is an entry-level watch nowadays Mm -hmm. in the watch world. Okay, so if you've never had a luxury watch All you think about is Rolex because they branded themselves well and you asked me earlier at what point did Rolex become? Sure, sure, yeah. You know when they became big, when Roger Federer became their spokesperson and became their mm-hmm. athlete. That's when. So it's Rolex has never been the best craftsmanship, and nor are they in terms of the watch world elite by any standard. They're just really, really good at marketing, and they're really good at producing at scale. So i you know, you you'll even see Rolex watches that have a lot of imperfections in them. Wow. Yeah, it never happens with Patek. Never happens with some of those higher end models. Other model I think you should stay away from is Richard Mill. Richard Mill, yeah. yeah. i heard
1: a lot about Richard Yeah,
0: Mill. Richard Mill, they got these just obnoxious watches that are like two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. And honestly, I don't see any reason why they're worth anywhere near that much. Um, however, now that the market is kind of closing in on that gap, Like a stainless steel watch used to be worth 10 or 20 grand. Now they're going up to like 50 to 100. Mm -hmm. That Richard Mill is starting to make sense at 2 or 300, Mm -hmm. right? The only thing that I'm concerned of is when there is an inevitable crash, when the market does crash, the very high level watches, the bust downs, the the, the watches with diamonds and these Richard Mills are the ones that are going to lose value the quickest. But the people that are buying and holding on to Rolex, APs and Pateks, they don't get rid of them they buy them and keep them. That's why they continue to increase in value. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's why it's such a great investment. Um, So if you can get almost any stainless steel Rolex, AP or Patek, buy it. If you can get it from the the factory, from the retail store, buy it, because it will increase in value. Watches that don't increase in value, the companies that don't increase in value, are Hublot. They don't, Breitling, Omega, These are all companies that don't increase in value. If you go to Omega store and you find a watch that you really like, and it's 10 grand chances are it's $3,000 wholesale.
1: Oh wow.
0: Yeah. This one is probably 15 retail. I got it for five wholesale. Why? Because I know if I'm going to buy it wholesale at any time when I'm bored with it, I can sell it and make a little bit of money. So I don't buy those watches Retail, even though I, if I really like the watch, first I have to figure out how to get it as cheap as possible yeah. so that I can flip it in the event something happens. But Hublot is just definitely not a watch that you would buy retail from the retail store. Omega, same thing. Breitling, same thing. Breitling watches that are worth you know, 10, 15 grand um, retail usually are worth 60, 70% less wholesale. Same exact watch, just the only difference is one is sitting inside a retail store, one is outside the store. So it's important to know which watches to buy and that, that only happens when you study and you, you know, maybe if you have mentors, or people teaching you and guiding you. But I think that's a, that's a good base foundation. I think anyone that's in the watch game would agree with the statements that I've made.
1: Okay. It's pretty yeah. solid, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what other questions you got, man? Because you can tell I get passionate about this subject.
1: Okay. How long does it take a watch to accrue value?
0: Um, so it depends on the type of watch another example of a watch was the Rolex Daytona, the platinum version. A couple of years ago, I was in the mall and I saw it in the window. And I was with my wife and I was like, I really, really like this watch. If I ever like make it big and I, I have like a massive settlement or a massive case, I want that watch. It was $82,000. Wow. So I was not going to buy no 82000 because that would mean I'd have to get her $82,000 yeah. for this stuff too. <laughs> you can't get something for yourself. You can't get it for your wife. So, but the good thing is, I've also taught her how to like pieces that invest and in mm, increase in value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. No, diamonds are the worst investment ever. So like, you walk
1: out the door Yeah, it.
0: yeah. So I'd rather her enjoy buying things that increase in value. That's how you never go broke, by the mm-hmm. way. You only buy things that increase in value mm. and with the ability to be able to resell them. Mm. You want to know why people go broke? Because they buy things emotionally, not yeah, rationally. Yeah. You want that new car, figure out the cheapest way to get it. Without affecting your personal cash flow, and if you ever need to get out of it, you can sell it and maybe make a profit or break even. That's why car hacking is so popular. Yeah. You know, you can go and buy a Lamborghini Huracan right now. Probably cost you two, three hundred thousand dollars for a used one. Mm-hmm. You can drive it for a year and sell it for about the same price that you bought it for. Now, okay, well, I don't have two, three hundred thousand dollars. Well, yeah, okay, I get it. But you do have the ability to get a loan on sure. that car. Mm-hmm. And you do have the ability to pay maybe three or $5,000 down. And you do have the ability to pay the monthly payments uh, on that loan, which might be two or $3,000. Mm-hmm. But the time that you sell it, you recoup all that entire investment. Nice, yeah. But why would you do that? Why would you go around and drive a Lamborghini? Because it's not about the driving experience of that car. It's about the people that you run into as a result of having that car. And Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with watches. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. I love watches, I love wearing them, I love studying them and learning about them. I don't have that same true, true passion with cars because I just feel like there's a lot more headache that comes along with it. Watches are just so easy because it's like I can have a mortgage on my wrist and you can't even tell, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But if you pull up to the wrong place, you know, in a Rolls Royce, somebody come, you know, come and get you, <laughs> you know. Um, but here, I will say a couple of last minute things before we hop off the show. If you're going to buy a watch, try to get it with box and papers. Okay. So make sure you have the box and make sure you have the papers for it. Um, the reason for it is because almost always it's worth a couple thousand dollars less if it doesn't have those items with it. And then when you want to resell it, everyone would prefer having a watch with box and warranty card and papers. So it also helps you when you want to go into a store to authenticate it, if you have the box and papers for it. Um, Get on watch forums, Facebook groups, go to networking events, things like that, so that you can always study and know what's out there. You never know when you're going to run into someone that's wearing a watch. They don't understand the value of it. You might have an opportunity to buy it and make a quick flip. I know people that are making tons of money just buying and selling watches, but they do it full-time because they love the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Put your name down at every Rolex store that you ever visit to buy a GMT watch. Even if you can't afford it, just put your name down. Say, hey, I want that GMT, this is what I've been looking for. Hey, if it takes one year, two years, three years, it's fine. Because the moment they call you and tell you that watch is ready, you can very easily sell that watch and double your money, Oh, nice! very easily. Now, if the Rolex store finds out about it, you're done. <laughs> you're life? done, you're done for life. They're not gonna sell you anymore. <laughs> So you got to make sure you sell it to someone that's not going to, uh, that's someone that's actually going to keep it forever. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, are you planning on keeping Cool. Because like I'm the kind of guy that if you sell me a watch, I'm probably going to keep it. I don't really, I don't really sell watches. I buy, collect, and maybe trade. Mm-hmm. But if you have that opportunity and you're able to get one of those watches at a really, really good deal, make sure you sell it to the right person, and then you have that access to be able to buy watches, you know, at any given time. Um and then be on the lookout for for Vacheron watches, Vacheron Constantine because they're going to continue to increase in price. And maybe we'll look back at this show 3 4 years from now and see what happened with them. That yeah. Overseas right now is 21,500 retail and I think you can actually order it and still get one. I think it's going to hit 50 60k in no time.
1: Okay. That was dope.
0: That's it. All right. Um <laughs> uh, well that's the show guys. Uh, Stay tuned for the next episode. We're probably just going to talk more about just fun stuff, watches, cars, lifestyle. I think we should talk about discipline. Yeah, definitely. That's probably going to be our next episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the CEO Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Awad, the CEO Lawyer, with my man, Yusuf Kroma. We'll see you all next time.